Galatians chapter 4. So let's open up our Bibles there. I was reading about how in the Olympic Games, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but one of the races they have, or one of the, I don't know if you would call it a race, it's one of the events, is they would actually start off all these guys with a torch in the beginning. And and the one who who would win the event is the one whose torch was still lit in the end. I thought that was kind of cool, you know, because usually we think, well, it's the one who gets there the fastest and there are those types of races. But there's also the mentality that, you know, that the fire that we start with must continue to burn to the very end. And as a matter of fact, wouldn't you guys say that as Christians, you want that fire to grow? You know, that's what we want. But but what happens a lot of times, their tendency is, by the flesh, uh, through rules, through regulations, through religion, uh, we tend to go that route through legalism, thinking that that's how we'll grow. And, and in the end, what Paul is sharing in the book of Galatians is so important for us. You know, it, it has to do with, with grace. It has to do with faith. It's not our, our performance. Like, I, I wonder, I kind of wish like I could talk to each one of you right now and ask, like, how are you doing in your relationship with the Lord, you know? How do you, how do you, like, I don't know if feel is the right word, but, but where, where are you sensing you're at with the Lord? And, and you know, I think some people, they, they just feel so far away, you know, and they, they kind of feel out of it. They, they feel like they come to church even, and they're like out of funk. They almost feel like they don't belong. And, and you wonder, well, why is that? And it's, it's probably not because they're in sin, I think a lot of times it's just because they're basing their relationship on their performance. And they're thinking, well, you know what? I'm not doing that good. So I don't know if really God is like really accepting me right now, really loving me right now, when that couldn't be the farthest thing from the truth. I mean, God, he loves you with an everlasting love, an unchanging love, an acceptance. We are accepted in the beloved the only thing that you have to make sure you hold on to is your faith in Him. See, and when that begins to sink in, when that unconditional love and grace and life and relationship and freedom begins to really sink in, then that Christian begins to they grow in a healthy relationship with God. And so um, the reason why the enemy comes in uh, at, at this is just like, uh, for example, a guy, you know, a guy has a, a sex drive. And so some girl comes in with cleavage or whatever, you know, and, and he's swept away because he's drawn to that. Our flesh is drawn to religion. Our flesh is drawn to rules and regulations as well. And so, you guys, we have to fight it with everything we are. And we just have to know the power of His grace because that's what changes us. That's what bring us to, brings us to this place of peace in our relationship with God. And so we see that so clearly in the book of Galatians. Today as we go through chapter 4, we're going to uh, see how we've outgrown the law, first of all, and then Paul's word, don't go back to the law, second of all. And then the last thing he says is, have you heard the law? And we'll see that as we go through here. But notice in verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, now, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. 
Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You know, in verses 1 through 7, we see here that basically, uh, you know, we've outgrown the law because the world has. You know, when God came, we're going to see there was a time of promise, then there was this time of law. And then we go back to the time of promise. And so when God gave the Mosaic Covenant, they were under the law. And that's what we read here. And so, you know, God is just saying that was just a temporary thing. You know, we are heirs. You guys know that? That we are joint heirs with Christ. Uh, Revelation 21, 7, it says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things. Think about that for a second. You know, to overcome, well, how do you overcome? By faith in Christ. Do you believe in Christ? Do you believe in your heart that he died for you, rose again? Yes, you do. Yes, you guys are children of God. So then you have an inheritance, and not just, a, you know, a million dollars or something, man. I mean, we're talking about you are joint heirs with Christ, that you have inherited all things. And so, you know, right here in verse 1, he kind of gives this really interesting an, uh, analogy he says, that, I, I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and under stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. You remember the, the, the Galatian Christians has gotten saved and the Judaizers came in by stealth and they said, you guys are, are, aren't really saved. You need to go back and observe the law. You need to engage in circumcision. It would, by like, it would be like someone coming to you and going, you need to go back to Judaism or you need to go back to Catholicism, um, some religious you know, paganism system. And, 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 you know, that's what was going on to them. And so rather than growing forward, they were going backwards. They were backsliding, even to the point where if you really read Galatians just with an open, open heart, I mean, people were falling away from the faith. You know, some would say, well, they were never saved. And you know what? You guys can have that debate if you want. I understand it's an in-house debate. But when I read it, he says, you have fallen from grace. And it can happen. You know, so here he talks about a child and he's in a, he has an inheritance, but he's just a child. And so from a practical sense, he's not different from the others that are there, from the guardians, from the stewards who are watching over him. So you can visualize all these people in the house and you've got the son. One day he's going to inherit all things, but since he's just a child right now, he's not much different than the guardians and the stewards. Now, the guardians were literally slaves, who were physical protectors of the children, and the stewards were also slaves who were financial directors for the children. 
And so they're, they're slaves, they're, they're not sons, but when you look at all of them from a practical standpoint, they don't differ too much. Though by earthright he owned the whole estate, nevertheless he was kept in subservience like a slave in that he enjoyed no freedom and could make no decisions. And that, in one sense, was the place where the Jews were when they were under the law. Uh, they were under these guardians. They were under these stewards. It was just a temporary place. They were just children, right? And so that's what he's saying right there. That's where we used to be. That's where we used to be. But then we grew up. Then, you know, we grew out of it. Then Jesus came. That's what he says right there in verse 4. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. So there's his deity, born of a woman there's his humanity born under the law because he fulfilled the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons see it's time to grow out of a performance oriented relationship with god it's time to move beyond the rules and regulations and, and the legalistic burdens that the flesh and the world and the enemy try to impose upon us. You know, I know when we look in the mirror, to be honest with you, I know when we look in the mirror, we don't see much. I know I don't. I, I fall short all the time. Not as much as you guys, but I do fall short, you know, on a pretty consistent basis, man. You know, um, you know don't talk to my wife. Well, maybe you should talk to my wife, but you know, um, but I know who I am in Christ. I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm washed. I know I'm loved. You know, I come up here and I get to teach, but it's not because I'm any better than anyone else. It's because by the grace of God, He allows me to do this. I know the power of the blood, and so should you. You know, but then we grew out of it. Then, you know, the, the, the new covenant was established because Jesus came in the fullness of times and he redeemed us from the law. We could never keep the law, the burdens. You know, Peter said we could not keep it, right? And so, you know, as a result of that, we then were adopted as sons into God's family. Now, it's interesting when you read the Bible, um, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So we're born into the family of God, and that speaks of our nature. But, but then we're also adopted into the family of God. And the Greek word that's used here, it, it talks about adult sons with adult standing. So now it's so amazing um, how we're kind of like in his family in, in, you know, in twofold way. You know, I, I wanted to show you guys a video. How many of you guys have seen that video of that little, um, the little girl who was adopted and they, it's just gone viral? Have you guys seen that? And, and so she's there at the table. And apparently she and her, th and her two siblings had been in foster care for three years. And, uh, you know, they didn't know what was going to happen to them. They were all separated but eventually uh, they, you know, they come in with his family. And so it was her birthday, and they have a little camera there, and they're showing her, and she's opening. They, have, they say, we got one more gift. And she opens up the, the, the box, and in it, it says, you are being adopted. And it's just a beautiful, I mean, if you watch it, 
you're going to cry. You're going to cry because this little girl who had no family, who had you know, no future, who, who was just lost, you know, she, at that moment, it just hit her that she would now, from this point forth, have a family, that she was accepted, that she was adopted. And that's us, you guys. That's us. Uh, we read it right here. It is so beautiful in verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. You know, I mean, and you guys know that's Aramaic, right? Papa, Daddy. You know, that's the relationship that we have now with God. There's a really good cross-reference in Romans 8, 15 through 17. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And so it's just a beautiful um, truth. You know, so much of our Christianity has to do with knowing who we are in Christ. And that's what we see here. He's just sharing who we are. And, you know, I know Andrew, when he prays, he usually, you know, says, Daddy or Papa. I do too, usually when I'm at home in my garage, just talking to the Lord. You know, that's the relationship that we have with him. And so understand who you are, okay? You're, you're a child of God. You're adopted into the family. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you know? And uh, we've been taken out of the, you know, that the place of slavery. We're, we're heirs. We're joint heirs with Christ. We'll inherit all things. Just, just know who you are, that God loves you in, in your good days, your bad days. Uh, sometimes that's the hardest thing to believe, but you have to accept the fact that you're accepted, okay? So that's the first thing. But then Paul here, he warns them, so don't go back to the law. We've outgrown it. Look at verse uh, 8. He says, But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now, after you have known God, or are rather are known by God, how is it? that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage. You observe days and, and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. I mean, it's interesting because we read in chapter 1, look at chapter 1 real quick. Look at verse 6. As, as he starts the letter, and you guys know Paul was pretty aggressive in the letter. You know, I, I'm an apostle, not through man, not by man, but God. God directly anointed me as an apostle. And, and so he's giving to them in the beginning his apostolic authority uh, because he's got a heavy message for them. And, and he says in verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who want to trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. I mean, Paul said, verse 8, even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And that word in the Greek is anathema, let him be damned. 
You know, you guys have heard the gospel, faith alone in Christ alone. He finished the work on the cross. You believe in your heart. You're saved. I know it sounds too good to be true, but it's true. You know, and you want to come and you want to add to it. You want to do your performance stuff. I know that's the way we are by nature. But listen, don't turn away. Don't listen to these Judaizers. And even if one day I came and I preached to you a gospel like that, a gospel of works, he said, you know, whoever does that, even if it's an angel, like, you know, whatever the Mormons say, he says, let him be anathema. Let him be damned. Let him be cursed. And then he repeats it in verse 9, as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Why? Because he loved these people. You know, and, and you can talk to any of the pastors here, any, anybody who really cares you got a lot of people that come into the church and some come forward and some pray the prayer, but how many of them really continue to follow the Lord until the day they die? And our, our desire is, Lord, just keep them. Lord, when we go on a missions trip, you know, we got 17 people with us on the missions trip. We want to keep them safe the whole time so that they all come back alive. You know, you don't want to lose one. Even though it's a pretty good percentage, one out of 17, that's not bad. You know, you don't want to do that. You know, we want you guys to go to heaven. You should want your family members who profess Christ to go to heaven, to, to, to have that torch lit to the end. John 15 says, abide in me. That's what we need to do. We need to rest, we need to remain, and we need to believe until the day that we die. You know, back in Galatians chapter 4, uh, Paul just didn't understand. You know, when... You did not know God. You served these things which by nature are, are not gods. And he's speaking of their, their paganism because remember, this is the Galatian church, but now after you have known God or, or rather are known by God, it's interesting how uh, you know, people talk about that and they say, I found Jesus. No, Jesus found you. <laughs> and it kind of works both ways. But he's anyways, he's saying, after you got saved, what in the world is wrong with you? How is it that you're going backwards to these weak, these powerless and beggarly elements of the world? In the Greek language, it's the ABCs. Why are you going back to something like that that has no power? And that's what they were doing. You know, and I don't think you guys would do it because, uh, I mean, I don't know, you're Sunday nighters. So that, that means a lot, you know, you're here on a Sunday night, you know, but I don't know, one day they come knocking at your door and you're down and out and maybe they want to give you some food because you don't have any. Sometimes they do it like that or whatever. Some of you guys, you're at a college and these, you know, the Church of Christ, they come after you and they come with a message, no, you have to be baptized by us. I mean, I don't want to put it past uh, you. You know, you might be finding yourself and a low point in your relationship with Christ, and next thing you know, you meet you know, some girl or some guy, and she sweeps you way off your feet, and it's all about religion. And so he's saying, man, you were saved. What in the world is wrong with you? Now you're going backwards to these things. Verse 10, days and months and seasons and years. It's uh, the, the, the Jewish you know, feast days that were there by obligation, not you know, uh, an option. He, he says, Paul says, I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. You know, he, he's concerned here. And so he says, brethren, I, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. That's free from the rules and regulations. 
you have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And, and we don't really know like all the details on this, but, but basically what Paul is saying is, remember when you first got saved? Why are you going back? Remember when I first came and preached the gospel to you? You know, and some say maybe he had malaria, so he had to go to a higher elevation because that would help him. Some say he has something going on with his eye, some type of eye infection or, or disease. And, uh, and so when he, you know, he had to stop there in this place and, 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 and as he was there, they, he preached the gospel to them. And, uh, and they embraced him and, and they fell in love with him so much that it says right there, you would have given me your eye. You knew something was wrong with my eye and you would have given your eye to me. That was the type of relationship that we had. And now you're, you're turning away from the gospel that saved you. You're turning away from the one who brought you the gospel. Now I'm your enemy because I'm telling you the truth because I love you? I mean, Paul here, he's having a hard time with the Galatians and he's trying to bring them back to where they need to be in a simple love relationship with God. And I know it's hard. It, it's so hard. I, I Even I, I know the soteriology. I know doctrine well. Even for me, it's hard. And if it's hard for me, I could just imagine how it is for you guys sometimes, you know? Because we mess up, because we fall short, you know? And, and in this case, and, and, and you can talk to, you know, people who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, you see Christians drift away. You know, they used to be so on fire for the Lord, but now they don't read their Bibles. They don't pray. They don't go to church. They don't serve. You know, and they, little by little, Hebrews talks about that, they drift away. And before you know it, they fall away. Just be careful. That's what he's saying right here. Be so careful. I mean, you were so in love with the gospel and you were so in love with me. What happened? You know, they had such a great relationship. Notice in verse 17, he said, they zealously court you. But, but for no good, yes, they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. But it is good to be zealous in a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. You know, these guys came in and they, they courted them away. Uh, they wanted, you know, Paul, I guess you could say they wanted to win them away from Paul so that they could have the influence. And if Paul was ever there trying to make a difference, it was then that they would step it up. You know, they would do it only to separate him from the one who was bringing them the truth. They were zealously courting these guys. 
but it wasn't for a good thing. Paul here in verse 19, it just, you know, I mean, I don't know how many moms would do that. Um, how, you know, you moms who have given birth to your children, what if right after you gave birth, they said, okay, you got to do it again? <laughs> Some of you would probably say, you know what, it's okay. Because <laughs> it, it's hurt, it hurts, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. And Paul here said, man, I, I labored for you, and I feel like I have to do it again. And I'm beginning to doubt. You know, and, and, and sometimes in a, as a pastor, you kind of talk to people. You know, are you sure you're saved? Are you sure? You know, because it's tough. You know, sometimes we, we don't want to give the believer uh, a doubt about their salvation because that's a tough place to be, but neither do we want to give a non-believer false assurance. And so Paul here is telling them, I- I'm beginning to doubt proof that you're a Christian by going back to a simple love relationship with God. You know, not the rules and regulations. And I've seen it over the years, some people who are Calvary Chapelites that go back into, you know, Messianic Judaism or, or, you know, even some, you know, Catholicism or Mormonism. And, and so he's just saying, just be so careful with that. You know, we've outgrown the law, number one. Don't go back to the law, number two. And then number three, do you hear the law? And in verse 21, he says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and it corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written in Isaiah 54, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And, and it's interesting, when you look at the scriptures, how God gives us these visuals from the Old Testament. You know, in the New Testament, I mean, God speaks to us primarily through the message, through the words. But in the Old Testament, a lot of it has to do with God speaking to us through their lives. And so you guys remember Abraham? Yeah? Okay. Abraham, when he was 75 years old, God promised that God, God said, I'm going to give you a, a son and I'm going to give you descendants as the stars in the sky and the sands, you know, on the shore. And, uh, and so Abraham was pretty excited about having children. 
Uh, so a year goes by, then another year, then another year, and before you know it, 10 years have gone by. How many of you say 10 years is too long to wait? 10 years? We're talking about 10 years. 10 years? Yeah, 10 years. And so anyways, it, when Abraham's 85 years old, his wife, uh, Sarai, says, hey, why don't you just go into my maidservant? It was legal. Back then it was cultural, but it wasn't the will of God. It's not scriptural. You know, but Abraham says, okay. And so he goes into Hagar and has a son. His name is Ishmael. And you guys remember the story? I mean, it was this crazy when the, the son is born. Right away, things begin to go wrong. And then what ends up happening, you fast forward uh, to uh, the time when Abraham is now 99 years old. Remember, I mean, he had, he had Ishmael probably when he was 86. So now you fast forward 13 years. God hasn't spoken to him for 13 years. And now uh, God says, okay, next year you're going to have a son. And you wonder, well, why did God wait so long? Why did he wait until Abraham was 100 years old to have a son? And probably the reason is, is because he wanted everybody to know it was supernatural. He wanted everyone to know that was God. That wasn't Abraham. That wasn't Sarah. That was God. He wanted to make sure everybody knew that. That's why we have to make sure we don't, you know, go ahead of God. Because then what ends up happening is Ishmael is born and, and we're still paying the price today because of the descendants of Ishmael. You know, but, you know, eventually uh, Isaac is born and his main name means laughter and then when Isaac is three years old, uh, they would have these celebrations when they would wean their children. And so there's Isaac, and there's his big brother, uh, probably 16 years old, and he's persecuting the little boy. I mean, he's all over him. He's giving him a hard time. He's jealous. He's opposing him. And so, you know, Abraham's having a hard time, and, and Sarah definitely is having a hard time. And so um, what ends up happening is God speaks to them and God says, cast out that bondwoman. Cast her out. It's time to get rid of her. And what God is saying right here in this section is that's the way it is with the law. That's the way it is with the rules and regulations. You know, um, the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ. It showed us we were sinners it showed us our disease, but it couldn't give us the cure. That's what Jesus has done. And so you read this whole thing right here, and it's so cool to see that that's the covenant that we're under now. It's uh, the free woman, you know, and, and that's who we are. I, uh, I know it's hard, you know, because... I like rules and regulations. I really do. I like to go into my job and say, here's a list of things to do, and that way when it's done, I feel like I've accomplished something. You know, it's very difficult for me to come into those doors each day and, and, and for God to tell me, just follow me. You know, just follow me today. You know, I'm going to be doing different things. I'm going to have someone call or someone come in, or I want you to pray, or I want you to read that, or I want you to do this or want you to make that visit it's harder sometimes without the list and the rules and the regulations we like the holy water we like the incense we like the stained glass windows we like the religion 
because we feel like when we've done it, then, you know, we're good with God. It's difficult sometimes just to accept the fact that we are loved just the way we are. doesn't mean that God wants to keep us that way. You know, God wants to, to change us. And I'll tell you something even about that, that your old man will never change. You know, the, the old you, the, how many of you know you're in tune with the ugly part of who you are? The Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, I don't know how it works, but there's that ugly you will always be there. That part of you will never change, but what God wants to do is God wants to teach us how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit because when we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, the old man no longer rules over our life. So now we're free. We're free to rule over him. And I'll let you guys talk more about that in your groups. But um, at the end of the day, you know, our prayer, I, I know God's heart, you read Galatians and, and Hebrews and different you know, books in the Bible where God is just saying, you know, I want you to abide in me. I want you to stay here. And I want you even to grow in that grace and in that freedom and in that relationship that you have.